Hello, I'm Brad Spencer, and welcome to The Faith Connection. I'm going to be teaching on the subject of doing the unusual. Doing the unusual. See, most people are programmed, you know, with the herd mentality. You know, they're just going to follow the herd, follow the flock, you know, just where everybody else, wherever the majority is going, because they think that, you know, the majority is always right, or then they're going to do what the majority always does. And so, you know, it's that way with denominations. You know, they all kind of do the same thing, all the churches and each individual church. It's like the cookie cutter mentality. Everybody's stamped out of the same mold. And so somebody new comes, well, they start talking like everybody else talks. They pray the same way that everybody else prays and they believe some of the same things that everybody else believes. And, and so they, they don't want to be different. And so when it comes to acting on the Word of God, people have the same mentality. It's that same herd mentality. They'll keep doing the same thing generation after generation after generation that doesn't work. The insanity is, is to continue to do it, thinking the next time I do it, I'm going to have different results. But that never really happens. Like, for instance, people can pray, well, now, Lord, if it be thy will, you know, heal me. But if not, I'll understand by and by. What's there to understand? If you don't get healed, you could die. Yeah, but, you know, grandma prayed this way. <clears throat> and mama prayed this way. And daddy and grandpa and everybody, my aunts and uncles prayed this way. Well, did it? Did you ever stop to analyze and, and see if there were any positive results? Well, no, nobody ever got healed. Well, listen, if nobody ever got healed praying that prayer, maybe they're just praying wrong and they've got the herd mentality because they're thinking, you know, We've got to do it this way because everybody else is doing it that way. And see, then somebody else comes along doing something else. Well, they think they're weird. These people are peculiar because they're doing it different than we are. But the truth of the matter is, are we getting results? I'm not going to continue. In fact, I refuse to keep doing something if it doesn't work. Why would I want to do something that doesn't work? I mean... If I knew that the, that my vehicle was broke and didn't run, I wouldn't go out and get in it every morning expecting it to take me where I wanted to go. You know, I think the first time it was it broke down, I'd get the revelation. I'd never be back in it the next time with a different expectation. And But that's what people do. I'm going to give you some examples here. I want to go to the book of Acts chapter 10. We're talking about doing the unusual. When you do the unusual, it will bring the impossible or what seems to be impossible in the natural. Doing the unusual brings the impossible, makes it happen. In Acts chapter 10, in verse 1, there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household. Already he's unusual, isn't he? And he gave many alms to the Jewish people. Now, it just didn't say he gave alms. He gave many alms. He was a great giver financially. So you'd consider that to be unusual. 
you know, he's not like most people. Well, we're just going to, you know, give a little bit here to God. You know, God is very specific about our gifts, and that's tithes and offerings. An offering isn't even received by God if it isn't preceded with a tithe. The tithe is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord, and it belongs to the Lord. And once you give it, it you're now qualified to give an offering that's going to bring back a harvest 30, 60, or 100 fold, you know, depending on your skill level. So this man is a great giver. And next it says, and one who feared God with all of his household, one who had reverence to God. And he gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Now here is a man. I mean, this is, this is a Roman. And he's praying to God continually. He's a, he's a giving man. And, and, and it's unusual the way he's giving. And he's a man that's a praying man, and it's unusual the way he's praying. And uh, and he, but he's doing it anyway. People say, "Oh yeah, I try to pray, maybe some little prayer once a month." <laughs> now this is this man is praying continually, and it's not like somebody who gives on occasion when he finally does come to church. No, this is a man who's giving much to the Jewish people. But get this: about the ninth hour of the day about three o'clock in the afternoon. He clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come to him and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze upon him, being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. His prayers and his giving had ascended as a memorial before God. Now, this is the first mention of a Gentile being saved. And they end up sending for Peter, and Peter comes, and, and he's not wanting to go because, you know, these are Gentiles. But he saw in a vision of a vision of different animals that were unclean for them to eat according to their Jewish purification laws. But he hears the word, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. And this happens three times. And three is the number for completion in biblical numerology. And so the Holy Spirit said, there are men seeking you. Go, go with them without any misgivings. So what he considered unclean, the Gentiles, God had now considered as candidates for salvation. Isn't that wonderful? Because see, my background in Jewish, it was Gentile. And uh, thank God that Jesus died for Gentiles and not just Jews only. And so Peter goes to the house of Cornelius and there preaches the gospel in the whole household. He'd invited a lot of people. All of them got saved. They got born again. And, and that was the result of one man doing the unusual. He was unusual in his giving and he was unusual in his prayers. And his giving and his prayers ascended as a memorial before God. Boy, don't you know, he was glad that he broke free, didn't follow the herd, and decided to do something unusual, something different. You know, can you imagine, you know, God just looks the same old usual stuff that mankind does. <laughs> he just, yep, same old, same old, same old. Then all of a sudden, somebody breaks out. 
and steps out real big in faith and does something unusual, something different than what anybody else is doing. And don't you know, God looks over the banister of heaven and goes, oh my, look at that. Now there, we've got something unusual going on. Let's check this out. I go with me, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 4. We're going to look at another instance of somebody who decided to do something unusual. Look at it in verse 4. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. This is Solomon. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, ask what you wish me to give you. Oh, wow. He was only required to offer one sacrifice. But Solomon, no, no, he doesn't offer one sacrifice. He offers a thousand sacrifices to God. Can't you see it every time they had a new king? God just looked down. Yep, there's that sacrifice. Yep, just like the last time and the time before that, the time before that. But this time Solomon comes along. He's the one who's being appointed, anointed as king. And he said, nope. And they brought the sacrifice. He said, no, you know, you need to go get 999 more because <laughs> we're going to offer a thousand sacrifices to God. Can't you see God looking over the banister of heaven and go, oh my goodness, they're not offering one. Oh, there's two, there's 20, there's 100, there's 800. There's a thousand offerings. I tell you what, God got so called up in Solomon doing the unusual. God did the unusual and said, now ask of me what it is I can do for you. And Solomon said, you know, it's not the life of my enemies that I'm asking for. I'm not asking for gold and silver, and riches, all the fine things of life. He said, Lord, and again, this is unusual. He said, Lord, I ask that you give me wisdom to rule and lead your people. Again, he does the unusual. How I many of you know all the other kings would have responded, yeah, well, I, now since you ask, you know, I, I, need, I need gold, I need silver, I need platinum, I need fine palaces, uh, I need fine clothes, I need the very best of the best. And that's what the usual would, the herd would always ask for that. Oh, no, no. But here, Solomon, he's not like the herd. He's different. Not only does he offer a, a thousand sacrifices, he says, God, give me wisdom to rule your people. And you know what God said to him? He said, I'm going to give you that. But because you didn't ask for silver or for gold or for lands or palaces and all the fine things of life, I'm going to give you that too. And I'm going to give you so much of it. It's just going to be overwhelming the way I'm going to bless you. When Solomon did the unusual, it brought the impossible. And it caused God to do the unusual on his behalf. So we need to think about that the next time we're praying, the next time we're doing, the next time we're giving. Well, are we going to just you know follow the herd? Or are we going to do something different?
and get the attention of the Lord. All right. Go with me, if you would, here in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and we're going to pick up reading in verse 9. 1 Samuel 1 and verse 9. Then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Now, now let me tell you what's going on here. This is Hannah. She's married to Elkahan, but Elkahan, you know, back then, you know, they had some polygamy going on, and he had another wife. And the other wife was a baby-making factory. She's just putting out one child after the other. And Hannah, bless her heart, she wanted a child so bad, and she wanted a son. And uh, she prayed and she prayed and prayed. Nothing ever happened. Nothing ever changed. She's praying the same old prayer that she's always prayed. She's praying just like the herd. She's praying like, you know, maybe what her mama taught her, grandma or aunt taught her. Same old, same old. Doesn't work for any of them. But now Hannah's picked up on it and she keeps praying this same prayer and nothing happens. She doesn't conceive. She doesn't have a child. But now here she's weeping bitterly and she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Oh my goodness. You're talking about doing the unusual. Here's an unusual prayer. Anybody else the herd would have said, Lord, just give me a child. You know, I want a child. I want to raise a child. I want to have a child to love. Give me a child, Lord. Give me a child, Lord. Hannah prayed that way and it didn't work. Then she changed her prayer and she said, Lord, if you'll help me in my affliction and you'll give me a child, a son, I'm going to give him back to you. Can't you see God looking over the banister of heaven and go, my goodness, nobody's ever said that before. If I give them a son, they're going to give the son back to me. Oh my goodness. When that child was weaned, she took that child and gave him to the service of the Lord. And here's the thing about it. You say, well, poor old Hannah, poor old Hannah. You know, she didn't have a child now. I'll tell you what, she experienced a great miracle and a great testimony. And don't you know that woman was blessed to find out that Samuel was the greatest judge that Israel ever had. His words didn't fall to the ground. They all came to pass. When he came to a city and they had the watchmen on the wall and they looked and they saw it was Samuel, they gathered up all the leaders and they all ran out there after him before he ever reached the city wanting to know if he came in peace. That's somebody you didn't mess with. Everything he said came to pass. His words did not fall to the ground. And they trembled before Samuel. But he was a good and he was a great judge, the greatest judge of Israel. All right. Now, it came about due time. Hannah had conceived and gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel. Now look in verse 24. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and an ephah of flour and a jug of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, along with the, uh, although the child was young. She kept her vow to the Lord. Now let's look over in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, 
And we're going to begin reading in verse 18. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing linen ephod, and his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkahan and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she dedicated to the Lord. And they went to their own home, and the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. She had five more children. See, she had no children and no chance of having any children. The way she was praying with the herd mentality, praying the same old dead prayer that doesn't work, doing the same old usual stuff that she's always done, the usual stuff she's heard that everybody else has done, stuff that doesn't work. She, she was down that path and it didn't work. She changed her prayer to the unusual prayer and God heard it and God brought the impossible and made it possible in her life. Yes, she had to give Samuel because she made a vow to the Lord. She gave Samuel to the ministry. But it opened up her womb and she had five more children, three more sons and two daughters, all because she decided to do the unusual. You know, in today's society that we live in, even getting born again might be considered unusual. I mean, a lot of denominations, they're just going to sprinkle your head, you know, and all you're going to get is a wet head. But there are those of us that did something unusual once in our life, and we stepped out and accepted Jesus. We confessed him with our mouth. And if you'll do that right now, I'll tell you what, God will bring salvation in your life. Just go ahead and step out with me and say this. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I repent for breaking your commandments. But today, I'm going to do the unusual. Pray the unusual prayer. And today I'm going to believe on Jesus in my heart. And I believe that Jesus died for me. He was crucified for me. He rose again for me. And that today I'll be washed in his blood. I confess Jesus with my mouth. I confess Jesus as my Savior. And I say, come Lord Jesus. Breathe life into me. Cause me to be born again. Save me, Lord. And I receive that salvation right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Well, amen. If you prayed that prayer, something wonderful just happened to you. You are now born again. You've prayed an unusual prayer. And it has brought that which looked impossible in the natural. You're now saved and your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Information is coming on the screen about His Image Ministries. Um, you can go to our website, hisimageministries.faith. Let us know that you prayed this prayer. We certainly want to rejoice with you. We want to invite you to His Image Ministries. We have tremendous ministry for you and all of your family. You'll be glad you did. All right, I see that our time has slipped away from us again. Remember, just like always, 
We're here to help you make your faith connection today.